and welcome back to the Archery Geek Outdoors podcast, episode 25. I've made it to a quarter of a century. To be honest, I really did think I'd struggle to get 10 episodes out of this, but here I am, episode 25, and still going strong. I hope you all had a good Christmas, festive period, holiday period, Yuletide, whatever you want to call it. I actually had a very relaxing one. Uh, For years, I worked for companies where I got Christmas Day and Boxing Day off, and that was it. Now, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company where I get to book two weeks off for Christmas, providing I haven't used all my holiday up through the rest of the year, of course. But I really look forward to having a fortnight off at Christmas This year was, obviously, with everything going on, a little stranger in that normally I will cook Christmas and Boxing Day dinners for, I think the most I've cooked for those two days was 16 and thought it was going to feel really strange not being able to cook for the whole family this year. And, yeah, it was a little strange, but to be honest, Christmas Day was so relaxing you know normally we like Christmas dinner around you know around lunchtime you know Christmas lunch oh that's one to start up the northern southern divide uh, argument isn't it is it lunch or is it dinner uh, like I say yeah eating at lunchtime always call it Christmas dinner this year we decided to be a lot lazier start cooking later so actually had dinner later evening <laughs> If you're listening, Mark and Chelsea, what is it? Is it lunch or is it dinner? Anyway, I've got to admit, uh, the the healthy eating and the exercise, I'm afraid, went completely out the window for a fortnight. Well, not the exercise, not completely. I think I've managed to work out about three times in two weeks. Now we're into the new year and I'm getting back into it. It's kicking the shit out of me. When you've just, I say just started getting into shape, you know, I'm, I'm doing it slowly and delicately. Started April, so yeah, eight, eight months, you know, I'm still doing the same kind of workouts I was. I suppose I really should change up and start doing some some work on my endurance, but when you knock it on the head for a couple of weeks, you know, and you're still overweight, and by any stretch of the imagination, although I'm losing weight, I am still overweight. I'm still a little fatty. Uh, Taking a couple of weeks off, you know, from the exercise, you really feel it when you get back into it, and diet-wise, I decided to try the pig and fish diet. Now, this sounds like some crazy new fad, doesn't it? You know, lots of pork and lots of fish. You know, what's it supposed to do? Get your carbs down. No, people, sorry to disappoint you. It just means for a fortnight you eat like a pig and drink like a fish. (laughs) So, needless to say, I'm still too terrified to step on the scales my own fault, I know, but I should be heartbroken to, if I've piled a load of weight on. To be honest, I don't feel as though I have. But I don't think when I'm brave enough to step on the scales, 
it, you know, the, the, the grisly truth will be revealed. You know, imagine on stepping on and the display saying, one at a time, please, fatty. But we shall see. Uh, at some point in the next week, I am going to have to be brave enough to get back onto those scales and see what's happened. All will be revealed, folks. And, of course, I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. Although, here in the UK, we've started the new year with lockdown 3.0, or at least Boris's idea of a lockdown. Uh, he, he introduced this new national lockdown. Uh, stricter than two, it was supposed to be something like the first lockdown we had. Again, he's closed schools and colleges, although this time he's allowed nurseries to stay open. Uh, he's allowing organised sports for the under-18s. You know, that's a great way to stop the spread of a virus. And chuck 22 folks on a football or rugby pitch and let them go at each other for 90 minutes. Or 80 minutes in the case of rugby. You know, brilliant way to stop the spread. That is Boris. Bravo, sir. Brilliant, brilliant move. Uh, of course, elite sports, they're allowed to still carry on. And I think, is it... Oh God, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of football. If you're listening in the states, soccer. I'm talking about. I'm not a fan of soccer. Uh, is it the FA Cup final coming up? There's some cup final coming up that they've said that can still go ahead as well. And of course, our beloved leader has decided to leave the borders open still. Now, come on, Boris. Leaving the borders open while you're having a lockdown is like having a pissing area in a swimming pool. You're never going to stop it. I mean, when he announced this lockdown, he, he followed good old Jimmy Cranky in Scotland's lead. Uh, she declared a lockdown until the end of January for Scotland. Boris, the day after, announced this one in England, saying it was going to last until the middle of February. But unfortunately, with cases of COVID skyrocketing, thanks to this new strain we've got running around over here, uh, it's now looking like it could be on till the middle of March. Now, I had a quick look at travel restrictions to the States, because obviously I'm supposed to be in Texas the end of September. Uh so far, the regulations... Now, I haven't looked if they've closed flights to the States yet. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're still, what, nine months off that. But on last updating of our government's website, in order to travel to the States, I mean, I presume business travel is still going to have to go ahead anyway. Uh, the rule was you had to have a negative test within 72 hours of wanting to fly uh, in order to be able to travel... Obviously, we've got the Pfizer and the Oxford vaccine rolling here, rolling out here now. I haven't looked a lot into it, but from everything I've read, the Oxford vaccine is supposed to be the better of the two. Uh, we've got the Desist app. You can go on like, some program in this country, and it tells you roughly when you're due to get the vaccine. I mean, I'm presuming I'm going to have to have the vaccine to fly over to the States. And according to my age group and all the other factors I take into consideration, I'm due to get it anywhere between the 27th of July and the 29th of September, 
I'm thinking it needs to be closer to the 7th of July than the 29th of September. Because that could put a fucking great spanner in the works. That really could. Anyway, a quick mention of what's gone on in the archery world over the festive period. In the UK, with this new lockdown, he's put the kibosh on archery again. Uh, Archery ranges, things like that. Archery ranges, shooting ranges, driving ranges, all closed. So, at the moment, unless you are fortunate enough to be able to practice at home, or you're one of the elite archers, because like I say, elite sport's still allowed to go ahead, or a disabled archer with access to somewhere, uh, say, of course, disabled sports are still allowed to go ahead. Archer is being canned again. I say I'm fortunate enough... I've got my garden up and shooting, and prior to this lockdown, I'd started enjoying shooting the stinger again. I'd had a few round with the rounds in the woods with it, and I was shooting really, really well with it. I know it's easier on a course, you know, because you know all the distances. You know, you don't have to think about the distances, but you know, still, I, I was shooting reasonably well. I'd had the odd, the odd bad shot. But I was actually enjoying shooting the stinger again. And I really can't wait for the bear to land with me. Uh, as I mentioned last time, Jeremy had shipped it back. And at the moment, it's stuck in Coventry, being held in customs. And here's some idea of the timescale of it. Now, I knew it would take a while to get back because... When you go on the tracking information on the USPS website, it actually tells there's a big red banner at the top saying due to a upsurge in business and problems with employee numbers because of the COVID problem in the States, they're experiencing quite hefty delays. So I was still impressed by the amount of time it took USPS to get it from South Carolina to London just seven days from South Carolina to London, and then good old Parcel Force. I mean, that's what, 4,000 miles they moved it in seven days. Parcel Force took eight days to move it the 100 miles from London to Coventry, and they wonder why they're losing customers hand over fist. And for the last four days, it's actually been sat in Coventry waiting to clear customs this is so fucking frustrating so near and yet so far hopefully it's going to be back with me shortly though anyway back to what's going on in the archery world obviously the lancaster classic has now been cancelled in the states uh vegas had already been cancelled but apparently the reinhardt r100 and the Total Archery Challenges have already announced their dates. So far, touch wood for you good folks over the pond. It looks like they're still going ahead. Now, in the last week, Randy Kitts, that owns Black Eagle, has announced they've bought out Darton. Uh, Darton are one of the oldest names in compound bows, and in fact, they own most of the patents on technology used in compound bows, you know, they they don't seem, well, 
I've heard Stephen Hans from Artery Supplies in Australia talk about them. He used to do an awful lot of dart, and I think they're. I don't think I've ever seen a dart and bow over here in the UK. Uh, I know they used to be big in the states. They're kind of one of one of the smaller players in the states now, from what I understand. But they didn't, don't need to produce and sell a lot of bows because they own all these patents. Every time the other firms build and sell a bow, can't get a cut of it. Hell of a business model, that, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter what you produce, you get money off what everybody else produces. And the other thing that really excited me today was Bloodline Fibres. The Now, as you'll know, I've, I've talked about it enough before. The coom is coming back to me with a bloodline string and cable set on. They and looks like they're teasing about a new prod, a product today. Uh, they put out an Instagram story, and this new product, I think it's going to be called B99 Glow, clues in the name. It's a luminescent uh, bowstring and bowstring material. Jump onto Bloodline Fibers Instagram page and have a look at their story. This is the ultimate in bow porn. I took one look at it and thought, oh, I've soiled myself. You know, it's one of those, you, you look at the picture for five seconds and you think, oh, that's it, I'm done. Pass me a cigarette. Uh, it, I mean, we've seen, we're used to the fluorescent colours, but this is true glow-in-the-dark bowstring material. It looks so damn gorgeous on the photos. And I'm looking at it thinking, you utter bastards. Why didn't you release this a few weeks ago when the string and cable set were being made for mine? I'd have been on this like a tramp on cold chips. And I was talking to Cy Thomas about it tonight, messaged Cy about it and said, I am so tempted to order another string and cable set in this stuff. Uh, unfortunately, I think at the moment it would be a waste of money, having just had a brand new string and cable set fitted to the bow. But I said to him, don't be surprised if when I come back from the States, there's a B99 glow set fitted to the Kuma. It really does look absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, I think that's quite enough of me thinking filthy thoughts about uh, string and cable material onto the main body of the podcast. Now, for those of you who've listened to the last episode, and if you haven't listened to the last episode, why the fuck haven't you listened to the last episode? Go back and listen to it. Thank you. Uh, right, I was... I ordered the ethics components for the arrows I want to build to take to Texas. In the week between Christmas and New Year, I ordered the RIP TKO 250 shafts from Lale down at Silver Archery. He'd only got the Sport in stock. They come in three grades. They come in Sport, which is 5,000 straight, plus minus 5,000 straightness, Gamer, plus minus 3,000 straightness, and Elite, plus minus 1,000 straightness. Now, when I'd seen the videos of Stephen Hans at Archery Supplies in Australia talking about the VAPs, 
he'd shot both the sport and the elite in the VAP and said he really couldn't tell a difference. So I spoke to Rich, who we're going hard on these shafts and ethics kits. And because of the length we cut our arrows to, I mean, mine I'll probably cut down to about 27 and a quarter. They come at 32 inches full length. You know, so I've got just under five inches I can cut off. And, you know, I'll be able to take a, a decent amount off each end and hopefully bring the tightness tolerances in. I've actually taken the arrows out of the pack tonight, popped them on my spinner, and I can't see any major wobble there. I was really pleasantly surprised. It's obviously plus minus 5,000 straightness means there's a potential of up to 10,000 of wobble there. None of them looked anywhere near that bad, so that really pleased me. Now... Victory advertise these arrows coming in at 9 grains per inch in the 250 spine. And one of the reasons I wanted a reasonably light GPI 250 spine shaft was so I can load the front to improve the FOC on the arrow. But I took them out the pack tonight for the first time, spun them, and then weighed all 12 shafts. Now, I left the knock-in to weigh them because they, they come with a knock already installed, although I'm going to change the knockout, see if I can get a 204 equivalent of Easton's Microlite Super Knock, see if anybody does something similar to that. You know, it's a very short, light knock. Uh, took one of the knocks out to weigh it, seven grains for the knock, and considering they have the lowest, the, the sports have the lowest tolerances of the... Uh, RIP TKOs. I was really, really surprised. Uh, just looking through these figures, the lowest weight was 282.8, and I had one at 284. So across a dozen shafts at 32 inches, uh, that's what? 1.2 grain variance. And if you take those two out, all the others were between, it was 0.8 of a grain between all the others. You know, so I really, really can't moan at that. So I thought, right, while I've got the grain scale out and I'm doing some weighing, I actually weighed the inserts and the collars from Ethics. Now, the inserts and collars are separate items. So... The inserts, the lowest weight was 161.2. And the highest weight was 161.6. I think I had one, two, three, four of them at 161.2. Two, three at 161.4. And the rest were all 161.6. So that's what, 0.4 of a grain for a hand for a hand machined piece of stainless steel. That's incredible. Likewise with the collars, the lowest weight was 61 grains, and there was only one at 61 grains. There were one, two, three, four at 61.2. And all the rest weighed 61.8 grains. So, again, you know, that, that's a 
tiny, tiny variance there. 0.8 of a grain across a dozen pieces of stainless steel. So obviously there with the variances in the inserts and the collars, I'll be able to match them up to get, you know, a really tight tolerances on the build. Now, so what surprised me about these TKO shafts was, and I had to double-check to make sure there were 250s, and obviously I haven't, I haven't got a spine in GK here, so I haven't been able to put them on a spine, but the label on the box says, on the box says 250 spine, and the labels on the arrows, on the cresting on each of the arrows says 250 spine. Of course, like I say there, the 250 spine is advertised at 9 grains per inch, and the 300 at 8.8. Now, when I've measured them and taken the length, they actually come in, including knocks, at 8.84 grains an inch. And if you take the knock out, 8.62 grains an inch. You know, so really, really pleased with that. That's going to help me with my FOC. Now, I'll warn you now, the next few, you're probably going to get bored shitless of hearing me talk about arrows. Uh, now, the other things I ordered uh, in the last couple of days, and they arrived with me today, although thank you, Royal Fucking Mail, they'd managed to tear the packaging and lose one of the points. The way I'm going to build these arrows is I'm going to get them cut down to length. The inserts are variable weight inserts. Like I say, the collars come in at the standard six, 60 grains, and I think the inserts, you can take them, well, they'll go up to 220, so 160. Uh, I think they'll go something like 70 to 160 with break-off sections. I'm going to try and full weight first. I'm going to go with what the Ranch Ferry calls the hand load in order to fly what find fly, find what flies best. Uh, I'm going to get my arrows cut to length, like I say, with the, the way the footer sits over it. I think about 27 and a quarter carbon to carbon on the shaft. Uh, that's the other thing with Victory. When you use their spine calculator, every other arrow manufacturer uses the AMO method on shaft measurements of throat of knock to end of carbon. Victory measure carbon to carbon I, I can't remember if I've mentioned this before, if I do I apologise, I'm just repeating myself the reason they go carbon to carbon rather than throat of knock to front of carbon is obviously depending what knock you know, what bushing, what pin setup you're using, that alters the length so victory always measure carbon to carbon oh god there we go, I've gone off at a tangent where was I? Ranch Ferry's hand load method Basically, it you shoot your arrows. I'll start off using the full weight inserts and the collar. And I ordered some 100 grain and 150 grain top at field points from Tony Weston over at the Archery Company. So thanks for getting those over to me so quickly, Tony. I said, you're spoiled by Royal Mail ripping the bloody packaging and losing one of the points, assholes. So now, I'd already got 125 and 175 grain top hat field points. I'd got some 85 grains as well, although I think just going to rule those out of the equation. 
I'm going to have a play around. I know the bow will come back perfectly to spec, which is where you want to start. And then with the ranch fairies handload method, you bear shaft through paper and you alter your point weight until you find the perfect, you achieve that perfect arrow flight. You know, if you follow Dr. Ashby's 12 rules, after structural integrity even at number one, perfect arrow flight at number two is the second most critical factor in achieving penetration. And we all know how important penetration is, don't we? Anyway, I was hoping to get some 200 grain field points, so I got everything from 85 grains up to 200 grains to find out which flew best. Like I say, I was going to start with the inserts at full weight. Then if needs be, I could start taking little bits, these extended weight bits off to find that perfect arrow flight. I am thinking, do I want a lighter insert and a heavier broadhead? which obviously with more weight being farther up front is going to increase the FOC slightly. Although, or do, you know, will a bigger broadhead and smaller insert reduce the structural integrity? Oh God, this is there's so much of a rabbit hole here to go down. This is where the geek part of the podcast title comes in. <laughs> I, t- I tend to overthink everything horrendously. Uh, or do I want to go for the slightly longer insert with possibly a slightly lighter broadhead? I, I think I was obsessing about getting to 550 grains on total arrow weight. When you look at the Ashby principles, total arrow weight is actually quite a long way down the list of these 12 factors. Tell you what, I'm, I'm wittering away about Ashby. At some point, I'll do an episode going through these 12 factors and see if I interpret them right. I mean, I know there are some folks listening to this podcast that are way more experienced and a lot more knowledgeable about me than this and be interesting to get your input on it. You know, see if I'm interpreting these right. I mean, Ashby, God, what was it, 27 years worth of research and something like 2,900 animals harvested to get this research done. You know, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I've been reading a lot of it online. I think what I plan to do is actually download it, print it, and just sit there and read it like a book. Being the old Luddite that I am, I find it a lot of, you know, I'd rather sit and read a book than read something on an electronic screen. It just feels more real somehow. God, I sound weird, don't I? Anyway, back to the hand loads. I shall go through the hand load procedure until I find the one that flies closest to perfect. Then it'll be on to the knock tuning bit. God, I'm looking forward to doing all this. Uh, what I should do is, as I go through this build, like I say, I, I think you're probably going to get bored listening to me talking about arrows over the next few episodes. Uh I'll let you know how I've got on in following these methods, what I've found out, and it'll be then in, then be interesting, you know, just for me to look back and see how it all worked. Uh, I say I've got some of these VPA three blade one seventy five 
grain, one-piece broadheads that Rich has lent me to try out. The advantage of this, what I'm going to be doing, is it may open up a couple more broadheads to use. I, I love the idea of these VPAs, because they're machined from a single piece of tool steel, which plays heavily into Ashby's number one rule of structural integrity. But I've been seeing more and more about the Magnus broadheads as well. I was a little unsettled. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, there's been so many animals harvested with these things. They have such an amazing reputation. But it's the fact they're not one piece, and I keep coming back to that structure integrity thing. I think maybe if I was going to... I was planning on going to hunt something a little less durable than feral hogs. It wouldn't play in my mind. But like I say, the, the feral hogs are like four-legged tanks. They're designed to take all the punishment they can. I mean, we know they love rolling in mud, and that thing gets baked on them like body armour, as well as the most incredible design from Mother Nature to make them resistant to just about bloody everything. But, like I say, I, I've been reading more and more about these Magnus, and I've had a quick go at sharpening these three-blade VPAs so far, without a great deal of success, but all the videos I've watched on sharpening, it's just practice, 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 and you will get better. But everybody raves about just how sharp the Magnus broadheads come out of the packet. I had seen something where one uh, somebody was talking about them, and he's, he'd been talking to the guys at Magnus, and they said somebody sent one back complaining it wasn't sharp enough. They took it out of the box and straight away shaved with it. You know, that's pretty freaking sharp. So, I mean, one of the other things that appealed to me about the Magnus, as I've said before, I'm an incredible tight wad. Uh, looking on Merlin's site, they've got a pack of 125 grain killer bees for 26 quid. And I'm thinking, right, don't just go watch cheapest because you don't want to screw your first hunt up with substandard kit and you don't want to risk wounding an animal. You want a nice, quick, clean, ethical kill. You know, you owe that to whatever you're harvesting. I, I owe that to whatever I'm harvesting if I'm fortunate to get a shot on one. And with this, these Magnuses being a feral and blade, I keep thinking, is this going to be a weak spot on something as hardy as a, a, as a feral Texas hog? But like I say, I've, I'm reading absolutely rave reviews about them. But I'm still kind of thinking, well, do I want that one-piece broadhead? I mean, I know VPA do them from, I think it's 100 grain up. I think they're, like they're 125s are vented. And again, I'm worried about noise. When I was talking to Rich, he said when, when they'd shot vented broadheads, uh, I think it's when they were in New Zealand, he sat one side of a valley, Kel sat the other, and when Kel shot a vented broadhead, Rich could hear it fly the other side of the valley, 
and I'm thinking, from everything I've read, it's more the noise of the arrow flight than the sound of the arrow being released from the bow that animals seem to react to. Ayn Ranch Fairy's got a brilliant video that's worth watching about animals and arrow noise, and I, I know I keep banging on about Troy the Ranch Fairy, but he's done so much work on this. So he, at the moment, him and the, the Heavy Arrow Hunt Club and the Lethal Podcast are my go-to resources. I've got a load more episodes of the Lethal Podcast to listen to, but Matt Bowman, I'm sorry, I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, Garrett, I think it is. Garrett, one of the, one of the other hosts of the Lethal Podcast. They're both really active in the heavy, 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 heavy arrow hunt club on Facebook. Now, the other guy that's really active in there, Eric, he's actually done a load of research and put a white paper in there in the pin documents about the research he's done with arrows and arrow flight and penetration. So at, point, at some point, I'm going to download that print now off and sit and read that as well. Oh, God, I love geeking out over shit like this. I really, really do. So, like I say, I'm going to go through this hand-loading process that the Ranch Fairy does. And if you go onto his channel, he's actually done a full build sequence taking you through every one of the stages. Now, like I say, I'm going to build a little paper tuning frame. Uh, use that because of the weather over here at the moment. And I'm not a fan of the cold. I'm really not. I'm a... Really, I'm a bit of a fair weather archer, although I will shoot in all weathers. I'd rather shoot in, in a nice, warm environment. So I think in the room I record this in, I've, I've got about, what, 14, 15 feet diagonally across it. I'll set up a paper tuner and a bag target in here and start working the hand load in here. And like I said, as I go through it, I'll let you know how I'm getting on, the results I'm having, let you know what I find flies but you know, gives me that perfect arrow flight. You you already know the, the shaft I'm going to be using. I'll let you know what knocks I go with. And I say this is going to be done bare shaft. I'll let you know what insert weight, what insert weight I end up with, what broad, what point weight I end up with. And then once those are done, I think I'm going to go to walk back tuning. That's fill point and broadhead. And everybody says, well, if you've got a per, I'd, I'd wondered this. If you've got a perfect bullet hole, why do you start then potentially adjusting your rest slightly when you walk back tuning? But this is again to achieve that perfect arrow flight and broad heads and field points hitting the, the same point. Uh, and obviously if you, the way I understand it, and tell somebody tell me if I'm wrong. You, you know the contact details. Archerygeekoutdoors at gmail.com. On Twitter at a underscore g underscore outdoors. And Instagram, archerygeekoutdoors. Uh, like I say, if I'm understanding this wrong, somebody please tell me because I don't want to be, I don't want to spend months and months trying to achieve this perfect arrow flight. And being able to get broadheads to hit with field points. Uh, oh, God, that's it. Con tra 
train of thought has now left the station. Yeah, like I say, once they're not tuned, it should be a lot easier to do the walk-back tune if you've got that perfect bullet hole or as near-perfect bullet hole as possible through paper. So I think it was Z-Man Outdoors I was watching and he couldn't quite get that perfect bullet hole. He was close, really close. So he actually messaged Troy Fowler, emailed him and Troy got back to him and said, yep, don't worry if you're not 100% perfect, as long as you're really close, the Fletchings will correct that last little bit. So, yeah, as long as I can get there or thereabouts, I shall then look forward to fletching the arrows up and doing some walk-back tuning. Now, as much as I love my blazers, and I think they're, blazers are the sexiest-looking vein there is on the back of an arrow, I think I'm going to go with the X3 veins, the 2.25-inch X3s, I've been shooting blazers back to again, back to back against the X3s round the woods down at Paget, and there is a really noticeable noise difference between them. The X3s are a lot quieter than the blazers, which it breaks my heart because I love the look of three helical blazers on the back of an arrow shaft. Although, if I find I'm not getting enough steering off the X3 veins. I may end up going with blazers, although the theory being, if I go through this whole arrow build and tuning process, I should need minimal veins. So hopefully, three 2.25 inch will be more than adequate. I think Troy himself has said he's, he's got some of his arrows shooting so well that he can get away with using three of the 1.75 inch X veins to steer fixed blades. I'll see how I get on anyway. Uh, I say I've spoken to Lance this week. Initially, we were looking at doing two weeks. He's working now, screwing him around a little, insane. They're, they're only going to allow him to take one-week blocks of vacation. Uh, we'll confirm that this week, how much you can actually get off in one block. And obviously, it's all related to this whole COVID thing that's going on. But, oh God. Christ, I'm completely losing the plot here. Nothing new there is the folks. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah, I'll confirm this week uh, how long you can actually book off in one block. Like I say, we'd, we'd like to both hunt Texas and look at going up to South Carolina for a couple of days, but we'll see what happens when we know how much time Lance can get off. Uh, looks like we and so in the next seven to ten days, I think we're going to finalise the dates and the length of time I'm going to be there. Oh God, shit's getting so real now. I am so stupidly excited about this. I I am a complete Americanophile. I swear I'm going to make like the Pope when I get off the plane. I'm going to get down on my knees and kiss sweet American soil. <laughs> now in my look, <laughs> fucking raccoon will run across the, the spot ten minutes earlier and pissed on it. <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah, so I'll let you know what's happening with that. Uh, 
like I say, I only apologise in advance if, if this is going to get really boring talking about Arrow so much, but, they're, they're, you know, they're going to be the biggest elements of me having a successful harvest. And, of course, I've then got to offset having the, everything set up for shooting hunting weight arrows. Don't forget, I'm still going to be shooting 3D with Makuma. So I'm going to have to find... I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of the old ranch fairy pointy hat wizardry, or as what is it, as Tex Grebner calls it, the witchery of arrows, to get my 3D arrows to fly and still hit the same as well. Oh, it's all good fun, folks. I say I'm just so excited the Kuma's back in the country, but I just want to scream at Parcel Force, for fuck's sake, get it cleared of customs and get it back to me. I want Makuma back. I want to shoot it. I need to shoot it. I mean, at least I've been enjoying shooting the Stinger again, and it's heartbreaking. We're not allowed to go to the woods, because I'd, I'd really enjoyed being around the woods shooting the Stinger. I mean, you think that was shooting an arrow 40 grains lighter than the arrow I shoot out the Kuma about 30 feet a second slower. Yeah, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Kuma's going to be pushing a, my 3D arrow out of 30 feet per second more than the Stinger was. I mean, the Stinger, I'd, I'd taken the 125 grain points out of my arrows and stuck 85 grain points in in attempt to get a bit more speed. You know what that's for for me, though, folks. I haven't got the world's greatest yardage judging abilities, so... Having that little bit, you know, getting as close to 300 feet a second as I can, which is the NFAST legal limit, uh, keeps a slightly flatter trajectory for make up for my yardage, any yardage judging errors around the woods. Anyway, I think I've waffled on quite enough tonight, folks. Uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. I think I finally got Cy, Simon Thomas agreed to come on the podcast. Uh, I've got Zoom on my computer now. I had a little play with the settings on it last night. Looks like my audio. I mean, Zoom records video calls. I'm, I'm not. I'm not interested in the video. I don't do video podcasts. It's just the audio. Talking to Simon last night. He's gonna have. I think he's ordering a a mic, a decent mic, to get trying a good audio as well. And I think. We're just going to sit and have a conversation. I mean, size like me, you know, we can just sit and waffle crap for ages. I'm really looking forward to it. And what I want to talk to Simon about, it's something I know very, very little about. You know, Simon has this wealth of knowledge on this particular subject. And I honestly think it will make fascinating listening so I've got to say a massive thank you to Simon for agreeing to come on. When exactly we'll get to try and record it, I don't know. Uh, I'll keep you posted, folks. Right, you know what to do? If you like the podcast, share it out, share the love, folks. The only little bit of self-promotion I do for this is on Twitter. 
Uh, I might put a post up on Instagram, actually, if you're thinking about that. It's about things about time. I did a little bit of shameless self-promotion, a little bit of self-whoring, so to speak. Share the love, let your friends know, post the links out to it. Any comments, suggestions, anything you'd like me to look at, any suggestions you've got, you know, if I'm going in completely the wrong direction on something, please let me know. Like I say, I've got this trip coming up. I've got to get, I'm kicking back up the exercise again, getting back online with me eating. Any suggestions to help with that, please let me know. You know the routine, folks. Archery Geek Outdoors at gmail.com. Twitter at A underscore G underscore Outdoors. And Instagram is Archery Geek Outdoors. Right, folks, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me waffling and yakking on bullshit again. Look after yourselves. Shoot straight. Take care. I'll talk to you next time. Good night. <laughs>